I just want to <clears throat> praise God for this morning, um, for his love, his provision, and all that, uh, all that he has done for us, and um, that he is here in our midst, and um, it's, it's just been a real blessing. My thoughts have have been taken many, many different ways, and um, maybe before I get started with this, uh, just just a thing that's been running through my mind a lot this morning, and it it kind of connects to the thing of um, of God's spirit. Uh, showing in us, and um, probably most of you don't don't uh, listen to the the news like I do. I don't know, but I I'm kind of ashamed of myself. But I'm intrigued with a lot of of. I don't know, just watching Congress enact and but one of the one of the videos that that I played this past week, it just really struck me. Um I think it was an a a news anchor for some news outfit. She was she was criticizing the new House Speaker, um, because of what he had said and how that he uses um, an app on his phone called uh, Covenant Eyes, and I can't explain to you how the app all works. Okay, but but it's the the it's an accountability thing. So this app monitors Mike Johnson, the new speaker's phone, and his 17-year-old son's phone. And the, the father is, gets a report of his son's activity on his phone. The son gets a report of, his, of dad's activity on his phone. And Mike has professed a very strong... Uh, Christian persuasion and and we appreciate that you know we we rejoice when we see someone speaking out for Christ and and boldly so in the face of people who don't want to hear that which he did and it, it just you know we appreciate that this news anchor was ridiculing the the thing of of that covenant eyes thing that that Mike shared that he that he's using, and okay, so my, the the thing that that struck me the hardest, I guess, was just the the condition of a person's heart that would would sneer at such a. Uh, father-son relationship and at the the thing of accountability you know it was like how weird can that be and you know our spirit just does not connect to that and um, I think that is is an example of um Part of what we had in Sunday school lesson, the um, um, the Spirit bearing witness uh, within us, it, it shows uh, the the things of our heart do show. Okay, so we had uh, 
the the title of our lesson, um, the conse consequences of, I forget even what it was, but I've entitled my sermon the, on the consequences of sin. Just, I, I didn't realize what the title is of the Sunday school lesson, but um, anyway. So, <clears throat> we are grateful for uh, the redemption that God worked in our lives, uh, the, uh, how he provided for our salvation and all that. We, we truly are grateful for that. Um, and we, uh, but we are also familiar with sin and there are consequences for sin. And um, there was a, there's a, uh, just a short phrase um, that was spoken to David that was the seed for this. And, um, and we will come to that yet. But, um, so, <clears throat> to get started, uh, we like verses like, I have a few here, um, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, um, being justified freely by His, by His grace. 3.23, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Okay. We've all sinned. Okay, so we all have something in common. We're, we're familiar with that. Um, not saying, not familiar in the, in the sense that we're comfortable with it, but we know what we're speaking of. Okay, so um, one of us does not have anything over the next. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 7, 13, uh, the, the end of that verse, uh, speaking of the law, uh, revealing sin. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. Um, that last phrase um, that by the commandment sin might become exceeding sinful um, if we just live to our flesh certain sin is is appealing and Let's not think too much of that, because, but the, the point is, the point that I would like to make is that it, it tells us here that by the commandment, sin might become exceeding sinful. Um, we have to, to well, let, as we... Uh, draw close to God and love Him more and more. Sin becomes exceeding sinful. We we want less and less to do with it. Um, it it's not um, like I said. Uh, living in carnality. Uh, we kind of welcome sin. We have to learn to hate sin and see it as exceeding sinful. Um, you can continue your own thoughts in that, I guess. Then there's First John 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We, we are so grateful for that verse, that truth. Um, and then also Psalms 103, verses 
10, 11, and 12, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. So, he hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. You know, if he had, we would have suffered death, um, because that's what we deserve. But he did not. Um, his mercy is, is uh, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. So we might think that, or this might seem to be the entire scenario. You know, all have sinned. Uh, sin is exceeding sinful. Uh, we, can, we can confess and be cleansed, and God puts it away. That's, that's that. But <clears throat> I find that it's, it's not quite that simple. Um, there are consequences uh, there's a reaping that comes with indulging in sin. And um, that is kind of what I want to uh, look into and, and just refresh our, our understanding in that. Um, not that I think it is new or anything like that, but um, I think it, we do well to, to be reminded. Um, so we understand and believe that, that forgiveness is, um, is one aspect of God's grace. And it is. You know, it is it's freely given. It's an unmerited favor. In other words, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve that favor. And in all reality, he didn't do it um, because we loved him. He did it because he loved us. Uh, so it's, it's unmerited. He just, he just poured it out on us as undeserving as we were. We are ever so grateful that he extends that grace to us. Um, Ephesians 2.8, For by grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, and it truly is. So, in thinking of that, um, grace is free, but it's not cheap. I think that that many Christians have been lulled into a complacency uh, where sin has lost its sinfulness and the, the preciousness of forgiveness uh, is not cherished as, as we would like to, as we need to. And so grace has become cheap. Um, I don't know. Can I can I express in words what I feel in my heart concerning that or not? But I want to try. Um, and I thought and thought about seeking for an illustration to to show what what I mean by grace is is free, but it's not cheap. Um, mainly the cheap part of that. And I don't know how good a, an illustration this is, but it does make a point, I think. Um, just simply aluminum, okay? We're all familiar with aluminum. Um, 
this is off the internet, but I I trust it's true. Actually, it comes. It's an article from Clinton Aluminum. Uh, gives us a, a little bit of a history on aluminum. Um, today, it is one of the most common metals in use, but it's not always been that way. Um, there was a time when aluminum was uh, was more precious than gold or silver. I didn't know that until I found this article. Um, this is just part of the article, but aluminum was so rare and scarcer than gold that it was highly valuable. One story illustrates this con one story that illustrates this concerns the Roman emperor Tiberius. When he was gifted a plate made of a silvery white metal that he had It says ever seen before. I think it should be never seen before. He was so shocked that he ordered the smith who had crafted it to be executed. This was because he feared that if people learned of this new wonder metal, it would drive down the price of his gold and silver reserves. Um, another example of uh, aluminum's reputation as a precious metal involves King Christian of Denmark, whose crown was made of aluminum. Napoleon III ate dinner with utensils made of aluminum rather than silver. It's more expensive. Even in the 1880s, the Washington Monument was built with an aluminum capstone when the metal still cost roughly the same as gold. It took many years and a great deal of effort for metallurgists to isolate aluminum, and even longer to develop an economically feasible process for extracting it for, for commercial purposes. In the mid-1850s, the annual production of aluminum in the United States was less than 93 kilograms, or 205 pounds. Annual production in the United States, less than 205 pounds. While gold production was more than 198,000 pounds. Almost a thousand times as much. Um, okay, so that was that was back in like 150, 175 years ago. Today, where do we find aluminum? Strewn along the roadside in the ditches, wadded up into tinfoil, wadded into ball and thrown into the garbage. This emperor killed a man because he made a plate out of aluminum. So over the years it has cheapened. It has lost its value, lost its significance. And I've I'm afraid that in the in, in that same manner Grace, salvation, being the the most precious gift to mankind, has, in the past two thousand years, lost its significance to a lot of people. Not downplaying the value, the 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 preciousness of salvation, but just where have people gone with it? Uh, they we see fruits of, of people not being appreciative of God's grace. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, grace today is as precious as it ever was. And this news anchor that I mentioned earlier, just somehow that just burned into my mind. And to me, that is a 
very vivid example of cheap grace. You know, it, it doesn't hold any value to her. And she's not a, a uh, isolated individual that that mentality is is very rampant and but god forbid that that we find that amongst us and that's not the point of this message uh, the point is to stir us up and to to help us um, be strengthened and and not go there um so the the main um, portion of this sermon is to be taken from Second uh, Samuel twelve, um, concerning King David, um, and we know of, uh, of David's sin concerning Bathsheba and the actions that David took against her husband Uriah had him killed after that after his affair with Bathsheba and and all that um, and but what follows that is um, is what I want to uh, speak on further so if you want to uh, turn to Second Samuel 12. Um, we'll read a portion of that. Um, you might stand for the reading of the scripture. Be verses 1 to 14 in chapter 12 of Second Samuel. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David... And he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter." And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was coming to him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was, was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things, Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, the Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, this, to blaspheme, the child also 
that is born unto thee shall surely die. You may be seated. Okay, so if we go back and comb through these verses a little bit, um, the... the approach that Nathan had there or that that God used in reaching David's um, defiled heart, I guess. Um, you know, he sent Nathan and and he put forth a parable uh, and so in, in David's mind, he, he saw this man that was sinning and was, had no pity. And it, it stirred up anger in David. And, you know, he, he was, it, it reads here as though he was um, very quick in passing a judgment, which as king he was, uh, that was, Part of his, um, part of his job. Uh, so, we too, um, if we see sin taking place, it it stirs up anger within us. Um, We are, we are called to leave that judgment to God um, to a certain degree. I mean, we would, we would never uh, want to um, judge someone to death. Um, we're asked to judge righteously um, as far as discipline goes and so forth. Um, but just the, the effect of of sin stirring up anger within us, um, and you know, we it, we have the same reaction. You know, we we are angered at what we see, and the the urge to judge that situation rises within us, the same as it did in David. says in verse 5, David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. Um, of course, we all know the, the story well, that, how, that Nathan then said to David uh, that, the, the man that you have condemned is in reality you, yourself. And um, that, that brought Nathan to, re or brought David to repentance. Um, you know, I have sinned before the Lord, I think were his words. Um, When we find that that we have failed and and sinned against the Lord, um, we too need and want to uh, take responsibility. You know, I have sinned, um, and you know, not not make excuse or blame others, but to take it upon ourselves um, for the actions that we have done. Um, 
in verse 9, um, this is God speaking to David now, admonishing him in his sinfulness. Um, Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Um, do we see sin as a despising of the Lord? Um, or do we... How do we think about it? Um, I guess I don't know if I can answer my own question there, but um, it has helped me to realize that um, well. My, my lack of, of uh, keeping God's commandments, of, of loving as is set forth in the scripture, um, of you know, being surrendered and, and willing and uh, uncomplaining and, and all those things, my lack of doing that, um, being... You know, it, it seems like we relate some of that to each other, when in reality, um, my complaining is against God, not against my fellow man. If we can realize that, and and um, entrain it into our minds, um, that sin is is a uh, despising the commandment of the Lord, let that be a strength to us, not, not a condemnation. That's not what I'm trying to <coughs> preach, but let it be a, a strengthening for us that um, what I actually, what I am doing, is actually a despising of the commandment of the Lord, and and let us bring that to our knees, and um, let that bring us to our knees is what I wanted to say, uh, and repent of it, and draw close to God in keeping His commandments, in loving Him. Then in verse, uh, verse 10, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Okay, in, in the sin that David committed, um, you know, he, he it says here that he despised God in not keeping his commandment, um, and the consequence is that the sword shall never depart from thine house. Um, David is known to be a, a, a king of war, of many battles and fighting. And um, I'm not sure what all would have been included in in this that. The, the sword would never depart from his house. I think of it as, as just simply David was always troubled with wars, and, and then Solomon was, uh, was king in time of peace. Um, and, and that is a, a consequence of, of uh, David's sin. He, there was always a reaping um, that went with him. Um, and I, I think that is 
true for us today. Um, and even though that we are forgiven and that that sin is put away from us as God has promised as far as east is from the west, even so, there's, there's a certain cross-bearing that, that remains and goes with us through life that, that um, would not be there had it not been for the sin. Um, and that is, that is totally in, in God's control. Um, may we never uh, inflict that upon someone, but I think it is true that, that um, it, it leaves a scar. It leaves something that, that goes with us um, through the remainder of our days. Um, Galatians refers to it as a reaping. Um, Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Um, I hope that's clear. I, I don't mean by in any way to... Um, To say that there's there's no overcoming or there's there's no victory there's no freedom, that's not my point. Um, I believe there's just a um, something that that we have to bear. Um, now I'm saying that because of of what I found here in um, and what God said to David. Um, so we see that um, the, the way God dealt with David was to, to show him the, the evil that he had done through the the parable, and then then he was shown that that he is guilty, uh, and he was told in in admonition to what he had done uh, of the reaping that was before him. Um, You know, David uh, thought he had done this secretly. Um, verse 12, For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the Son. You know, his, his um, God's admonition to David was, was open, you know. He, this son was born, and he took sick and, and died, and um, that was that was all in the open. Um, verse fourteen, um, well, verses verse thirteen contains a gem as well. Um, David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. That is so amazing to me. Um, David just with, from his heart admitted and took the responsibility for what he had done 
said, I have sinned against the Lord. And immediately, Nathan returned with, um, the Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. So, the, the wonder of, of immediate forgiveness upon confession of our sin um, and, and taking the responsibility to ourselves. Um, and David, being in, in the old dispensation where um, normally uh, he would have been stoned and, and yet he received grace. Uh, that is amazing in itself. Um, but f to to bring it into our day, you know, David didn't, uh, he did not, you know, even being in the old dispensation, he did not have to go through some long ritual of any sort. He just acknowledged, he confessed his sin and received forgiveness and, and we can have that too. We we do have that privilege and opportunity. Then in verse fourteen, uh, this is the verse that really struck me and and got me searching further into this. Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. So, our our walk of life as a Christian is is it is very important that we remain true and faithful. Um, because the the world looks in on us, and you know. Up until the last several years, I just thought it was it was common that everyone would would uh, appreciate. I say everyone, people in general, would appreciate uh, Christian values, godly virtues. But I see today that that's no longer true. Um, you know, people, I, I can't quite connect to how they think, um, but, but it's evident that, that godly virtue has, has lost its value with a lot of people. And, okay, so... But but they're still watching, okay? So if if we sin, they they pick up on that, and they criticize it. The way it's stated here is that it gives them occasion to blaspheme. And let's not do that. Let's not give them occasion to blaspheme. Uh, and and we cannot, in our own strength, do that. It takes the love of God in our hearts. So, what we what we need to do is love the Lord, and and desire to live for Him, to to change our lives, bring it into compliance or. There's probably a better word, subjection, surrender uh, to what he would have us do and not worry about am I doing the right things so that um, people don't have occasion to blaspheme. I think we, the, the, the thing that we need to do is to love the Lord and to walk with him.
So if we run over this once more, um, just the highlights of this, Nathan presented a parable to show how awful David's actions were. Um, David declared it as a sin, and in a righteous indignation or anger, if we take off that sugar coating, uh, in anger decreed judgment. Nathan showed David that he was guilty, the same as the Spirit convicts us of, of guilt. Uh, God admonished David through Nathan and set forth the consequences of his transgression. In the same manner, God's word tells us of the consequences uh, of unrepentance. Um, and then the, the thing of, I have sinned against the Lord, uh, I think it's very important that that if, if we become aware of sinning, that we take it upon us uh, and, and just simply admit it like David did. And then um, Nathan's words to David, God's forgiveness to David, the Lord also hath put away thy sin. Um, and that is for us today, you know, forgiveness, salvation, full and free. Um, you know, grace is not cheap, it's full and free. Um, just a few more points maybe concerning uh, sin. Um, and I, I took this from Study Helps in my Bible. Um, sin begins with attitudes and thoughts. Um, the scripture to go with that, um, Mark seven twenty to 23, and he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. So sin begins with those, with evil in our hearts, with attitudes and thoughts. We must face up to our sin before it can be forgiven. Oh, back to David's account. Oh, first, he, uh, he faced up to it. Oh, the, the parable was so vivid, and there was, there was just simply no denying that David was the man. He, he confessed, I have sinned against the Lord, um, we must face up to it before we can be forgiven. Um, no sin too great for God to forgive. Forgiveness may not stop sin's consequences. Um, the, the scripture given with that statement was First uh, Peter 4, 17 and 19. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if righteous scarce, if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Um, so thinking of that forgiveness may not stop sin's consequences um, let, even so let us uh, commit the keeping of our soul 
to him in well-doing, in, in, uh, in loving the Lord, uh, drawing close to him, and desiring to, um, to walk in his, in his love, in his will. And then, last of all, um, God deals with our sin to the utmost. And, and let's be confident of this. Um, this is speaking of Jesus being our high priest. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is able to save them to the utmost to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. So, you know, the, the scriptures of, uh, he puts our sin from us as far as east is from the west. Um, he, he removes our transgressions. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness uh, in spite of, of possibly having consequences. Uh, and, you know, maybe it's just fears or um, just, uh, I don't know. There's, there's lots of things that those consequences could be. Um, but even with that in mind, let's, Let's be sure and, and confident that, that um, God is keeping our soul uh, as we commit ourselves to him. Uh, he is, he is, he's on our side. He's watching out for us. He's, he desires to have us with him. And um, let's not doubt that the, the way he has provided, the, the salvation he has designed, is it works. It's true. We can depend on it. I guess that's all I have. Um, I will open for testimony at this time.